so this morning, we're going to continue our series through the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. This will, should be the last lesson, uh, it's the last point, so surely I can get through one point in one morning. But um, it's not a race, is it? So I guess we're alright if we don't. But, um, but it is going to be the last sermon, at least in this particular series of messages um, through the middle of Ezra. I want to remind you that basically the Bible teaches us that God calls out sinners from the bondage of their sin, from the bondage of their slavery in sin, and He calls them to to be reconciled to Him. He calls us to to leave our land, our people, our things, the, the sinful things of this world, and He calls us to come to a place where we will dwell forever with Him. And then in that same process, He calls us to worship Him as we do this, as we're coming out and we're on our way to that place. And He calls us to be prepared to learn how we're going to enjoy Him forever and ever. And we learn His ways as we go. And this is basically the theme and the Old Testament stories that you see over and over again. If you've ever asked yourself the question, why did God put the stories of the Old Testament that we have? Because you know there were many, many more stories than just the ones we have. So why did God pick out the ones that we have? And the point is, is because each one of those stories tell us the theme of God calling a group of people out of sin and slavery, God calling them to a place to where they will dwell with Him forever, God teaching them His ways, and God showing them His goodness and how they are going to enjoy all that He is forever and ever and ever. And this is our hope. This is what is happening in our lives right now. You think about the details of these stories. For instance, when God called Abraham... God called Abraham out of a sinful place called Ur of the Chaldeans. And Ur of the Chaldeans was a place that worshipped many gods. And Abraham lived there. And so Abraham also was a worshipper of many gods. But God showed Abraham who he was. And He called Abraham out of that and out of that slavery of sin that he was in, and he called him to go to a promised land where he would give to his descendants and they would dwell with him forever and ever, and this land would be flowing with milk and honey. So again, there's the story theme that you see when you read the story of Abraham. Or um, if you look at Israel whenever they were leaving Egypt. God calls Israel out of Egypt. He calls them out of slavery and He calls them to go to a place to where He will dwell with them and He will teach them His ways and they will have a land flowing with milk and honey and enjoy all of His goodness forever and ever. So again, there's the theme in that story. And then we get to the next group, and that's where we're at in Ezra. They're being called out of the slavery of Babylon and Persia, and then they are called to come to the promised land to learn His ways, to dwell with Him and worship Him. You see where I'm getting at? Over and over and over again, the theme of the Old Testament is God calls sinful people out of their slavery of sin, and He leads them on a journey by faith to come to a place to where they will dwell with Him forever and where they will enjoy Him forever and worship Him forever. 
and this place is the kingdom of God. And this is the, the, the theme that we have all the way through there. Some of the things that it always includes. It always includes a dangerous journey. It always includes a dangerous journey. It always includes enemies. For instance, um, Abraham, he, he faced enemies along the way to the promised land to the point that they actually took Lot and his nephew and his family captive and he had to go after them and win them back. Uh, there were so many, he led him to Egypt to where the Pharaoh of Egypt almost had an affair with his wife. Uh, I mean, there were so many different ways that we see that on Abraham's journey to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, he faced so many enemies and so many obstacles along the way. Another thing we see is the Egyptians. Whenever uh, he called Israel out of Egypt, every time Israel turned around, the Egyptians were trying to stop them from being able to take God's call to come out. Now again, try your best as I go through these stories to understand that you're writing your story today. Right now, your story is being written. God has called you out of slavery and out of bondage. But how many times does the enemy that He's called you out of try to stop you from leaving? Are y'all tracking with me this morning? And so we see this over and over again. Enemies like the Egyptians, obstacles like the Red Sea. The very first thing that happened as soon as they're called out is they get hit with an obstacle that looks like it's impossible to get past. And so many times when God's calling us out of our sin and God's calling us out of our slavery and our darkness, somewhere along the way we're getting faced with the enemy trying to stop us, trying to trap us, trying to keep us in Egypt, in our sin. Or if we are able to get free from some of that, next thing you know, He throws an obstacle in our way that looks like we can't get past and then whenever we get there, next thing we know, we end up in the wilderness and, and, and we're hungry and we're thirsty, but yet all of a sudden what happens? God feeds us manna from heaven. God gives us water from a rock. So again, no matter where you're looking at these stories, the point is it always includes a very dangerous journey to be able to dwell with God. There is enemies, there is obstacles, there is hunger, there is thirst. And then there's giants right before they get to go into the promised land. You remember what happened? They say, we better send some spies over there just to make sure everything is good and kosher. And then when the spies come back, you remember what they said? Whew, the enemies are too big. We can't get past them. We were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And the enemy will always try to make you feel like all the obstacles between you and dwelling with God are too big for you to overcome. The only people that ever overcome the obstacles are the people that believe that there is no obstacle too great for God to overcome for you. And let me tell you something. I'm sorry to tell you this, but those people are few and far between. Out of the million or so that should have went from the wilderness into the promised land, anybody know how many actually got to go? And you know why they got to go? Because when they looked over in the promised land, did they not see the exact same giants everybody else saw? 
They saw the Red Sea. They saw the obstacles. They went through the wilderness. They had the hunger. They had the thirst. They went through every obstacle the devil tried to throw in their way. And yet every time they overcame, and the way they overcame is because they believed God and they trusted God through any obstacle and any enemy that the Lord allowed to come their way, God always provided the strength and the courage that was needed to get through it. Another thing that this, um, this journey always includes, it always includes God teaching these people His ways. So whenever you go back and you study God's call out of Abraham, go back and read Genesis chapter 12 through around 17 or 18, and tell me how many times it says, and Abraham stopped and built an altar to God. Or tell me how many times it says Abraham stopped and gave a tithe to God. Were those things he learned from worshiping the gods of the Chaldeans? No. Somewhere along the way we see that as Abraham is making this journey, God is teaching him his ways, and by faith, Abraham is stopping and doing what he knows is going to be pleasing to God. In the same way with you and I right here. God has called us out of our sin and slavery and God is leading us on a journey. It's a dangerous journey and many enemies and obstacles are trying to get in our way and trying to shut us down and stop us. But yet every time, every time God delivers us from those things and then we always see that He puts us in a place to where we can learn His ways and the people of faith will practice His ways as they are on this dangerous journey. That's what we're doing in the church here this morning. We are learning the ways of God. We are learning how to walk in a way that is pleasing to God. We are learning to follow Him by faith the same way that the people of old did. We saw the same thing from Israel. When Israel got into the wilderness, what, what did God do with Moses on Mount Sinai? God gives him the law. Then Moses comes down, he sees the people are already breaking it, but he doesn't quit teaching, he keeps teaching them. Even though they're still sinning, they're still unbelieving, he's still teaching and he's still trying to lead them into the ways of God because faith comes through hearing. And then another thing, whenever we get to Ezra right here, we're going to see next week that Ezra actually pulls out the law of God and he begins to teach this group of people that's called out of Babylon. He begins to teach them God's ways. And so that's always included on this journey. We also see God always raises up a leader or leaders to be able to teach the people His ways and guide them in this journey and on this path and help them with the problems that they have along the way. Go back to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. God raised up Moses. God raised up Aaron. God raised up Miriam. And then... They Anytime a problem came up and they were having struggles, if they were hungry, if they were thirsty, if they didn't understand something about God's ways, they always came to the leader that God raised up to teach them that way. Or whenever you get over into Ezra, you're going to see God raises up Zerubbabel, God raises up Ezra, God raises up leaders for the group of people that He puts together to help them to grow in His way. And then today... As I've shared with you before, I'm one of those leaders that God has raised up for this purpose. I look back at my life and there is no question that God has been preparing and training and equipping me for what I'm doing today. Ever since the day that I was born. 
This has been something that God has been doing and has been in the making. And so we see that He always does this. So, finally today we're going to see that He always includes the courage needed to make the journey. Now what do I mean by courage? Courage. That means, courage is not, um, how did they define it? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is pursuing the goal and, and taking the journey in spite of the fear. You do it even though you know it's a scary journey. You do it even though you know that there are enemies that are trying to stop you from making this journey. That there are ambushes on the way. You do it whenever you know that ultimately God is going to complete the journey that He has called me to do. And so, am I scared on this journey? Let me tell you something. I've been a pastor for a long time now. And I'm still scared to death. I'm still scared. I still feel so under-equipped. I still feel like I still feel like Moses standing before God saying, "God, I can't even speak." And yet, if this is something you called me to, this is something that I'm going to continue to study. I'm going to continue to seek you. I'm going to continue to pursue you, and that, my friends, is courage. And it's the same way with you. Every one of these people. Abraham was called. Go back to Genesis 12 and look at his call. God, God told him, get up, leave your country, leave your people, leave everything you know. Come out from among them and be separate. And go to a place that I will show you. And can I tell you something? Abraham don't know the way. All he knows is God has promised that when I come out of this, follow Him, pursue Him, learn from Him, He's going to bring me into a place even though I don't even know the way. I don't even know how to get there. But if He promised it, I believe it. And so I take courage and I get up and I make this journey. Or the Israelites, I want you to understand something. The Israelites were well established in Egypt, even though they were in slavery. How many of you know that we can get pretty comfortable in our slavery? I don't know about you, but I know the sin in my life destroys me. I know what the sin in my life does to me, and yet I can get pretty comfortable there. Anybody else? Come on, don't make me stand up here and confess by myself. We can get very comfortable in this place. And Moses actually has to come and convince these people that you are going to be far better coming out of this. Because you remember how many times in the wilderness the people of Israel said, man, if we could just go back to Egypt. At least there we had fish and we had bread and at least there we had this and that. And Moses is looking at them going, but you were a slave. You were being destroyed day after day. The fact of the matter is we can get comfortable. And the same way with the people that we're reading about in Ezra today. They had gotten pretty comfortable in Persia. You know how I know that? Because God told them in the book of Jeremiah chapter 25, when you get into this place, go and build houses. 
Go and make your life there. Pray for the peace of this place because in the peace of this place is where you're going to find your peace. And so in other words, I know that these people had done got pretty comfortable in this place of slavery. Another thing I want you to be able to look at is, look with me at um, Ezra chapter 8 verse 31. Ezra chapter 8 verse 31. And I want you to notice what is said here. Then we departed from the river Ahava on the twelfth day of the first month to go to Jerusalem. The hand of our God was on us, and He delivered us from the hand of the enemy and from ambushes by the way. Now one of the things you need to understand is that this is a 900 mile journey from where they're at to go back to the promised land on foot. So this is a long journey. It's going to take a long time to accomplish this. And I don't know how many of you have figured that out in your life yet, but this journey that God has called us out of our sin, it's a long journey. It's filled with enemies and ambushes along the way. And it is is through a hostile desert, a dry and thirsty land. Same way that the Israelites had to come through a wilderness of desert, right? Again, the same picture over and over again. And now we're writing our story today and we've got a long journey that God calls us out of our bondage of slavery to go through a dry and thirsty land filled with enemies and filled with ambushes along the way. And then we learn that they're going to have to leave all their friends. You don't think they've been in captivity for 70 years. Do you know how many friends and family you can establish in a place in 70 years? And now God calls them and says, Hey, come out from among them and be you separate. You don't think that takes courage? I can remember when I was younger... My boys. Y'all have heard me talk about my boys. And everybody in here has got them. I'm sure you, you grew up with people and people you were in high school with or people you went to college with and, and people that you ran with and your buddies, your boys, your girls, whoever it may be. And I can remember when me and Chastity first got married and we were both, uh, I had just recently got saved and I was struggling with that because at that time God was using my boys as much as I loved them. He was using them as enemies by the way. He was using them as ambushes on the way. And they would show up at my house at night because we was one of those that we're going to drop a tailgate somewhere and we're going to kick back and have some drinks and we're just good old boys, you know. And they're showing up at my house and I'm trying to come out away from all of that, right? But what I have learned is that it is very difficult for me to just leave my friends and leave the people that I've known for so long. And and unless they come with me, I have no choice but to separate from them. Are y'all tracking with me? And so I remember my wife would get so mad at me. Because I'm trying to figure out how to be able to pursue God on this journey He's called me on, but I still want to be able to keep this over here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I can remember in order to do that, I'd hide liquor bottles in the, the freezer like I didn't think she would find it. I'd hide it in ice cream boxes. I'd hide it in there and I'd put it in the freezer and then... When she would find it, I'd come home from work. She'd be, oh, she'd be fighting mad. And, um, and then she'd get home and, 
she, she'd go out there and she'd take that bottle on the front porch and she'd bust it over the concrete and she'd look at me with that broken bottle and she's... <laughs> that's a true story. I'm not lying to y'all. But, but I mean, honestly, that was very difficult because I had gotten pretty comfortable where I was at. I'd gotten pretty comfortable and even though I wanted to pursue God, I wanted to know that this journey He's calling me on is far greater than anything I'm leaving behind it was difficult. Come on, somebody. It was difficult. But I thank God that I had enough faith to actually believe that what He's calling me to really is far better than anything I've left behind to the point that I followed the path and I left my friends. I left that family. I turned away from all of that stuff and went to seek the Lord with all of my heart. And then along the way, I lost complete touch with any of those, with my boys. But you want to know something? My boys today, they send me messages from time to time. They tell me they want to come to church. They tell me they want to come and they want to hear. Now they hadn't made that decision to disconnect and actually get on the journey because they still yet to show up. But I thank God that because even though I left that, it wasn't because I was better than them. It wasn't because they were greater sinners than I was. No, it was just the fact that I saw a different path and I believed there was something better. And they hadn't got there yet. And so I'm thankful that because I am there, they look over here now and they, they still, they call me for prayer. I got one of the boys that Chastity couldn't stand him when we was younger. I mean, couldn't stand him. Because again, he's pulling me away from where I'm supposed to be going. And yet, he calls me today all the time. Hey man, I, I need you to pray for me. I don't know nobody else to call, but would you please pray for me? Or he'll call me and say, hey, I need some, I need some godly advice. I ain't calling nobody else because I know you're actually going to tell me the truth. You're going to tell me what I need to hear. And he does this to me all the time, to the point that sometimes it gets on my nerves. <laughs> but I am thankful that I was able to be able to see that. And it is my prayer that you're going to be able to see that along this journey, you're going to have to have courage to be able to make the decision that even though this is a dangerous journey, and there are going to be enemies, there are going to be ambushes, there is going to be trouble along the way. But can I tell you something? God will always be bigger and greater than any trouble that stands in your way. And He will, if you believe Him by faith, give you the strength, the courage, and the ability to overcome those giants that try to stop you from getting into His promised land. And so I want you to understand that God provides the courage that we need to make this 900 mile journey through hostile desert, leaving all of our friends, leaving what we all know and we're all established in, facing every obstacle, facing every enemy, and ambushes on the way. And now I want you to notice what happens in Ezra whenever they get to the very first obstacle. They've heard the call of God. They believe the call of God. They've decided to leave all of what they know and they're comfortable in and they're headed out, but they get to the very first obstacle. For the people of Israel, it was um, the Red Sea. You remember that? For the second group coming out of the wilderness, it was the Jordan River. 
For uh, this group right here, it's another river that they're going to get to. Notice again, he says, we departed from where? They got to cross a very great river in order to begin here, to get over here. Now by this time, I'm going to say they probably got boats. And so probably God don't part the waters because we don't hear about this. But notice what they say when they get to their first obstacle. Go to Ezra chapter 8 verse 21 through 23 and look what it says. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava. So in other words, they get to the first obstacle because how many of you know whenever God first calls you out of your sin and He says, hey, I'm going to save you, come to a land that, that I'm going to, you're going to dwell with me forever, enjoy me forever. When that first happens, it looks like, man, that's great. I'm all in. Let's go. And then here we go, but the first obstacle pops up. And then they finally get to a place that they say, hey, we better pray. And look what happens. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God. You know why? Because the Bible teaches us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. When we humble ourselves and we cry out to God and we recognize that God, we cannot do this without you. We see the enemies. We see the obstacles. We know there are ambushes. We cannot make this without you. And so the first thing we do is we have to stop and we have to pray. Because this is where courage comes from. Courage comes from prayer and faith in God. And so they humble themselves and they pray before God to seek from Him a what? A safe journey. God, I'm praying for a safe journey. God, I'm praying that along the way, even though I'm going to face enemies, even though I'm going to face obstacles, even though I'm going to face rivers, even though I'm going to face giants, God, I'm coming to you day after day because I know that I cannot get through this obstacle safely unless you give me the courage to go through it because they could have stopped right here, right? They could have stopped and I bet you... It don't tell us, but do you think it's possible that there were some that stopped at this river and said, you know what, maybe we would have just been better off to stay back here. And I promise you there were. And in the same way in your life. You ever known somebody that's come in on fire for God and they got saved and then somewhere along the way they stop and they quit pursuing because an obstacle got in the way. And they said to themselves, you know what, the truth of the matter is, we're going to be a little better off just staying back here with this. And so that's what we're going to do. How do you keep that from happening? Well, the first thing is prayer. You have to have a life in, you have to have a, a life of prayer day after day after day because you have to know that you are a child of God and that God hears your prayers. Now let me show you this. Keep going with me. Go to verse 22 of this right here. We're seeking a safe journey. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers. So in other words, they get to the first obstacle, they start thinking about the enemies, they start thinking about the obstacles, and they go, man, we really needed a band of soldiers. We really needed an armed escort. But we didn't ask for it because... He says, I was ashamed to ask him for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way. Since we had told the king, in other words, here's what they said they believed. We told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him. 
We believe that even though there are enemies, we believe that even though there are obstacles, we believe that even though this is a dangerous journey, we believe that the hand of our God that has called us to it, it's good and it's on me. As long as I am seeking Him and pursuing Him, He will keep His hand on me to bring me safely to the other side. And so they were ashamed to ask for this, but they were still scared, right? We wanted to ask, but we were ashamed to ask because on the one hand, we know there's enemies and we know we need protection. But on the other hand, I do know that God's hand is for good on those who seek Him. You ever been that at a place in your life? God, I know that you say your hand is for good on me, but God, on the other hand, I need some protection here. I need some guidance here. And so we have to understand that where do we go whenever we're in that place in front of an obstacle and we are struggling to be able to know how to pursue, how to continue on? You need courage. And courage comes from prayer because you know you're a child of God. And if you're a child of God, you know that God hears your prayers. Let me show you why. Go with me to verse 23 of this right here. Look what he says next. So, because we believe this, here's what we did in spite of our fear. So we fasted. What is fasting? Humbling yourself, confessing your sins, making sure that you are in a place with God, that your prayers are not hindered. And so we fasted and we implored our God for this. And what did He do? <laughs> did y'all catch that? He listened. He listened. Guys, can I tell you something? This journey that God called you on is going to be filled with the enemy trying to stop you every way they can, offering you everything he can. It's going to be filled with obstacles that stand in your way that you think you're not going to be able to get across. It is a hostile environment that you're going through, filled with some thirst and hunger through this time. Yet, how are you going to have the courage to get through those things? You're going to have to know by faith Faith, I know that God's good hand is on all those who seek Him and who are pursuing Him. Therefore, I'm going to continue seeking. I'm going to continue pursuing. And I know that any enemy I face, God's hand is on me. Does that mean that I'm not going to have any trouble? No. There was trouble along the way. There was hunger. There was thirst. There was enemies. Go back and read the story of Israel going through the wilderness. But did it stop them from pursuing God? And did it stop them from entering the promised land? No. The only thing that stopped them from getting to the promised land and entering in is the ones that refused to believe God. They didn't have faith. They looked and they saw the giants and they said, they're too big for us. We can't get past this obstacle. And because they didn't have faith, they did not make the journey. Because they didn't have faith, they didn't have the courage to go through the obstacle. I can look back at my journey, and I'm thankful that I can see that there have been many obstacles that, that the enemy tried to throw in our way. Matter of fact, there have been times that he threw obstacles so dark in our way that I stood in the pulpit as a preacher 
Some of y'all have heard me say this. I preached a revival at a church one time. I used to do revivals all over the place. I went to a church to preach revival. You know what revival is? That means when God speaks new life inside of you and when He, when he revives your, your drowning spirit, if you will. My job was to lead the revival. And I was going through such a dark time and such an obstacle in my path and in my journey that I stood in that pulpit because I was ashamed to tell them that I'm in no place to preach a revival. So I went to that church and I preached a revival and while I'm preaching in the pulpit, I'm saying to myself in my mind, you don't believe this crap, no way. Y'all forgive me, but you understand where I'm coming from, right? I'm standing in the pulpit preaching revival and it is such a storm and such an obstacle in my way that I want to quit. And I'm saying to myself, this is just a bunch of junk. You don't believe this. I mean, look at where you are. Look at what's going on. If God was real and if God's good hand was on you, would you be right here? And how many of you have ever had the enemy tell you that? And I want you to be able to know that I thank God that because of the courage that He gave me and because of the faith that He gave me, we went through that storm and we come out on the other side stronger than we ever thought we could. Let me show you something in Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. I think it's somewhere around verse 5 or 6. It is a... It is a statement that Job makes when he gets to the other side of the trial. Now how many of you know when Job was going through the trial, he questioned God? He questioned God. Matter of fact, he told God that God was wrong for doing what He had done and that He wanted to put God on trial. In other words, Job wants to plead his case that Job was right in everything that he was doing and God was wrong in what he did in Job's life. But when Job got to the other side of the trial, and I want you to think about it, before the trial, Job was a pretty good man, wasn't he? Before the trial, Job was a man that God Himself told Satan, have you considered my servant Job that he is blameless and upright, he fears God and he shuns evil. How many of you believe God could say that about you today? Job's in a pretty good place, ain't he? So you think to yourself, Job's got a pretty good relationship with God. But I want you to see the difference in the way Job knew God before the trial and the way God knows Job after the trial. Look at this right here. I had, past tense, right? I had heard of you by what? The hearing of the ear. Before the trial... All I knew was what I heard about you because I read about you. I trusted what the good book said about you. But after the trial, I have learned who you are. He said the difference in the way he knew Job before the trial and the way he knew Job after the or way he knew God after the trial is like the difference between hearing about somebody and actually seeing somebody face to face. So I want to tell you what this does not mean. It does not mean that God is going to just save you from every trial. No. God's good hand being on you may mean 
that you actually go through the trial, that you go through the storm, go through the obstacle, because on the other side of this thing, you've learned what it means to cry out to Him. You've learned what it means to actually trust Him through everything good and everything bad. You've learned what it means for His good hand to be on you, no matter what the enemy tries to throw your way. And let me tell you something. If you maintain faith through that, you will always come out stronger in your faith on the other side. And so I want you to be able to see that courage is needed for this journey. And courage is something that only comes through prayer. And the reason you pray is because I know that God hears me. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to trust that His good hand is on me as I seek Him. And even if enemies do come, even if storms do come, I will not... This is the reason why the Apostle Paul could say, For I know that all things work together for what? For the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. You think Paul just pulled that out of his hat and said, you know, this is just something that I believe might be true about God? No. This is something that Paul had learned. And this is Paul, something that Paul had read in the stories of old like Ezra. And he said, right there it is. God's hand is always for good on those who love Him and are called according to this purpose. And look at every trial and look at every journey that all of these people that God called out of their bondage went on. And look at how God's good hand was on them all the way through. And as long as they maintained faith, all the way through it. And as long as they stayed in constant prayer with Him, there was courage to continue to go through the enemies and the obstacles and the battles that, that God allowed to come their way. And they always came out of it on the other side stronger than they were before they went through it. You always come out of it knowing God so much better than you knew Him. If indeed you went through it with faith, if indeed you went through it with prayer, if indeed you actually... How many of us though many times we just go through the storm and we try to do it on our own? You know, they go back and read how that worked out for the Israelites. Go back and read how that worked out for Abraham when he tried to do things on his own, when he faced the storm. There were so many ways that the people of God always try to do it on their own. And let me tell you something. You may come through the storm trying to do it on your own because of God's grace and that alone. But one thing is for certain. You're going to have to face another storm. Because until you come through this storm trusting God by faith, trusting His good hand on you, praying to Him because you know that you are His child and you know that He called you on this journey and you know that if He called you to start it, He is going to bring it to completion. And I know that. And when I face something that stands in my way, I cry out to Him, I implore to Him, I give Him my request and I trust that His good hand is on me. And He's going to bring me safely to the other side. I wish I had time to go to Luke chapter 18. I'm not going to take you there, but I'm going to tell you about it. Jesus told a parable. The disciples wanted to know. They said, Lord, how can we make sure that we're not like Lot's wife? 
You remember what Lot's wife was like? She was called out too, wasn't she? But on her way out, what happened? She faced an obstacle. I, I can't leave this. I can't leave this behind. I can't come out from among them and be separate. I actually believe that this is what is going to make me happier and I, I hate losing this because I don't know if God's promise is true. Y'all see that struggle? And instead of having faith, she gets called out. She's on her way out and she stops and she goes... And she proved that her faith was not genuine. And as a result of that, she was turned into a pillar of salt. And God, Jesus told His disciples, He said, Listen guys, make sure you remember Lot's wife. In other words, nobody's exempt. Remember Lot's wife. And then they come in Luke chapter 18 and they say, Lord, how in the world are we going to make sure that we don't do that? They're worried. They're scared. Because it's a tough journey. And Jesus said to them, I'm going to tell you a parable so that you will always pray and never lose heart. He said there was a widow. And this widow, she had an adversary and, and he, he just um, attacked her and set ambushes for her day and night and all the time. And she went to this unjust judge and she said to him, please get justice for me. But this judge, he didn't fear God and he didn't regard man. In other words, he had no reason to do anything for this woman. And they had no fear, so there was absolutely no motivation for him to help this woman. And the Bible says, but persistently, she kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And she didn't quit. And she kept pleading and pleading and pleading. And then finally that unjust judge said, you know what, doggone it, even though I don't fear God, even though I don't regard man, I'm going to help this woman, lest she just keep coming and wear me out. And Jesus said to his, to his disciples, listen to what the unjust, said, unjust judge said to the woman. And now I want you to think about God. He has every reason to hear you. He's not like that unjust judge. The point is not a comparison between an unjust judge and God. The point is the contrast. In other words, if an unjust judge who has no reason whatsoever to help somebody will help her for continuously coming, how much more will God help you even though He bears with you day and night? What is Jesus trying to teach us there? You are God's child. And if an unjust judge will help a widow that he don't even know or care about, how much more do you think your heavenly Father will hear you and help you when you cry out to Him day and night? And Jesus says, I tell you, He will avenge them speedily. He's coming. And He's going to help. And He's going to take care of you. And so I say to you this morning, the journey's hard. And there are some of you that you're writing your story right now. Think about your story, alright everybody? Think about your story. You've heard the call of God to come out of darkness and into His light, right? You've heard the call of God to come out of slavery and sin and to come to a place where you'll dwell with Him forever. And He's going to teach you His ways along the path. 
and you know that you have heard that call and you're starting that journey, but there are some of you that are like me that you're still holding on. You're like Lot's wife. And it's so hard for you to come out from among them and be separate. It's so hard for you to turn loose. I want to tell you this morning, you need courage. Where does courage come from? Courage comes from faith. God, I believe that you've called me. God, I believe that your hand is on me as long as I keep pursuing you and seeking you. Your hand is on me for good. And God, I know that there are enemies along the way and there are some of you this morning that you're facing obstacles, you're facing storms, you're in the middle of something that you don't know what you're going to do. And, and, and I want to tell you something, now is the time that if you need the courage to continue on, now is the time that you stop and you pray. Why do you pray? Because you're His child. And He loves you. And He has every reason to hear you. And you cry out to Him day and night and day and night as you have faith in your heart to know, as Ezra said, and He listened to me. He heard me. And you keep your faith in Him that no matter what He allows you to go through, that His hand is always on you for good. And that... If you continue pursuing Him by faith and continue seeking Him by faith, you are going to come out on the other side like this right here. God, before this, on this journey, I had heard of you by the hearing of my ears. But now, on the other side of this obstacle, my eyes see you. I know who you are. I've seen you answer my prayers. I've seen you part Red Seas. I've seen you part the Jordan Rivers. I've seen you feed me with manna from heaven. I've seen you give me water out of a rock. I've seen... Yeah, we could go on and on, right? I've seen what you do when we face obstacles. And because of that, the way I knew you before and the way I know you now, they're like the difference between hearing about somebody and actually knowing and seeing somebody face to face. If you need courage this morning, let me tell you something, you do. Because it's a scary journey. Filled with so many obstacles and so many enemies. The way you get it is through prayer and through faith. That God's good hand is on me no matter what He allows to come my way. And I will keep trusting Him because I believe that what He has for me over here is far greater than anything I'm leaving behind over here. And I trust Him.